Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Welcome to Fresh Encounter, the radio ministry of Lifelong Anointing Church. Our mission as a church is to equip the body of Christ to increase in wisdom and in stature, and in favor with God and with men. We're glad that you joined us for this edition of the broadcast. It is our prayer that this broadcast will be a blessing to you. Here now is Pastor Otuno with today's message. Jeremiah chapter 8. Bible makes us to understand that there was this particular very short commentary that was made concerning the nation of Israel. The Bible makes us to understand in verse number 8. It says, the harvest is past, summer is ended, and we are not saved. Say, for the heart of the daughters of my people, I am hurt. I am black. Astonishment has taken hold of me. Is there no balm in Gilead? Is there no physician there? Why then is the health of the daughter of my people not recovered? Another year is coming to an end. And if we look around, not just in the church, but in our community, in the place of work, in the thing, in the people that we interact with, you will notice that there are many people are living a very disappointed life. Many are living a life of unfulfillment. Many are living a life of quiet desperation. And the glory of the Almighty God is not being seen in the life of the people of God who have been called by His name. You will see that the Lord God Almighty, many of people will pray. Many people spend time in His presence. But you do not see the experience of God answering their prayers in their lives. You see that their lives remain the same. Many have now been used to failure and disappointment. And it's not, they are now seeing it as the way God is, that's the way God deals with them. There are many believers who are even missing the harvest of the Almighty God. Many are beginning to say that the blessings of the Almighty God is not for them. Year in, year out, many are hearing about the promise of God. They are hearing about the things that God can do. But you find out that they are not experiencing these particular promises in their lives. And like Jeremiah, in the time of old, many are asking, is there no balm in Gilead? Is there no physician there? Why is it that every year I have the same thing on my prayer point? Mm. Why is it that every year I'm asking God for the same thing? And there seems to be no answer. There seems to be no result. Does it mean that God is no longer in the business of hearing and answering prayer? Does it mean that I am not qualified to enjoy the blessings of God? Does it mean that the promise of God are not true? Does it mean that God has favorite? These are some of the questions that is going on in the back of the mind of so many people, especially in the house of God. And as we start the countdown for another year, I think it is fitting for us to ask and confront some of these questions. Why am I not seeing the results? Every year we do our retreat, we present our prayer point. If you look on this altar right now, there are envelopes that are sitting here with people's prayer point. And the question is, why are we not seeing these things? Why is the result not happening? Why are we not seeing the result that we are praying for? And that is why I think that as we begin to do the countdown to another new year, I think it is fitting for us to ask ourselves, how am I going to make this new year a better year for me? How is the new year going to be a more rewarding year for me? What are the things that I must do that needs to be done in my life that will bring the result that I desire? 
And the reason I ask the question is because, number one, what the year will bring you, what the new year will release into your life, the kind of blessings of God that you are going to enjoy in the new year, number one is a function of what you do today. What tomorrow will bring, the blessings that you enjoy, the things that you are going to see God do in your life is a function of what you do today. Many of you who are close to me, you know I say this all the time. God will not do your job for you. And you can certainly not do God's job. There is a partnership. There are certain things that God will do for you. And there are certain things that you will have to do for yourself. There is a partnership between us and God. And if you are not willing to take action, if you are not willing to step out, God will not do certain things for you. You can pray until you turn blue in the face. Nothing will happen. So the results that we are going to enjoy in the new year is number one, a function of your actions today. Number two, how the new year will look for you, for your family, for the church is a function of how well you are prepared today. If you are waiting for the new year before you start preparation, you are too late. You are too late. If you look at some of the programs that people are advertising, many of the people start advertising Valentine's show way back in August. Why? Because they are getting you ready. Watch how far you are going to enjoy the new year that is coming is a function of your preparation. Number three, how the new year will look for you, your family, your career, your job, your health is a function of how well you are ready to take advantage of the opportunities that will be presented to you in the new year. There are going to be opportunities. There are going to be situations that will open up for you. Doors that will open up. If you are not ready to take advantage of those opportunities, they will come and they will go and you will miss it. That will not be your portion in Jesus' name. Number four and most importantly, how the year will look for us as individuals. How the year will look for us as a church. How the year will look for us as a family. Depend heavily on your ability to equip yourself with the necessary skills for effective living. The skills that you need to be able to live an effective life. You need to equip yourself with those skills. And I say this because I strongly believe that God is about to move his people into a new season. And I strongly believe that there is a season of harvest that is coming for the body of Christ. And I'm convinced that God is preparing his people, is preparing the harvest for his people. Now as we as individuals, how we as a family, how we as a church benefit from that harvest. Depend entirely on how we are equipped and how equipped and skillful we are. I'll give you an example. The Bible tells us in the book of Genesis chapter 41. Genesis chapter 41. You all know the story. There was a day that King Pharaoh decided to sleep. And when he slept, the Bible said that the heavens were opened unto him. The Lord gave him a revelation and told him that there was going to be seven years of famine and seven years of drought. Okay, seven years of harvest and seven years of famine. Bible makes us to understand that Pharaoh, when he woke up, he was so confused. He did not even know what he was supposed to do. The Lord God Almighty gave him a revelation and told him, this is what is about to happen. Now, Pharaoh had a lot of options. Option number one was he was supposed to come. He can complain. Lord, why are you going to do that? Don't you know seven days, seven years of famine is going to be terrible? Why do you want to punish us? He could complain. 
He could argue with the Almighty God and debate with him. He could discount them and say, no, that's just a dream. Probably I had too much, uh, whatever I had, you know, that I, that, so I, I dreamt and I, you know, so those kind of things. He could, he could discount the dream. He could ignore the dream altogether, regardless of how Pharaoh decided to respond to the revelation that he got. One thing is certain. Pharaoh's response will not change what God is about to do. And the same thing. Many of us are sitting here in this room this morning, this morning. One thing you must understand is regardless of how you respond, this year is going to come to an end. Whether you like it or you don't like it, the year will end. Whether you like it or you don't like it, a new year will come. The question is, what are you going to do about it? The seven years of harvest and the seven years of drought was going to come whether Pharaoh liked it or Pharaoh did not like it. The Bible now tells us that Pharaoh decided to apply common sense when he saw that particular revelation. The Bible says he began to prepare accordingly. And you all know the story. The Bible tells us that Pharaoh did the following thing. The first thing Pharaoh did was to seek for understanding. What is the meaning of this thing? This revelation that I got of the of the seven years of harvest and seven years of farming, what does it mean? Pharaoh sought understanding. The next thing, after seeking understanding, he started to prepare accordingly. But most importantly, beyond seeking understanding, beyond preparing, Pharaoh did one thing that sought that put everything that put you know that put him in a position of success, and that is Pharaoh looked for the right person and put a skillful manager in charge of the country. He knew what was going to happen. He knew he had to prepare, but he did something special, something different. He decided to take somebody who was skillful, somebody who understand pure management, somebody who knew how to run things, probably somebody who knew how to organize it. He put and deployed a skillful manager to manage the whole thing. In other words, Pharaoh who was, Pharaoh was advised of what was coming. Pharaoh did a quick inventory of the available resources that were to him and failed. And the Bible says, Pharaoh picked the guy. Who knew how to manage things? He picked a guy called Joseph, a very, very skillful manager to handle the situation. Now, if you are going to make the new year that is coming a very successful year, you must understand exactly this important point of what Pharaoh did. You must understand what Pharaoh did and why it is important. The question is, why is it important? Why is it important for you to understand this particular thing that Pharaoh did in picking Joseph to be the guy to run the show? Why is it important? Pharaoh could have said, I am the king. I should be the one. I should know better. Pharaoh should have said, I am the king. I should be the one who should be running the show. Pharaoh should have said, I am the overall boss in this particular domain. This is my kingdom. Nobody will tell me how to do it. Thank you very much for your advice. Tell me, thank you very much for telling me what is to come. But I own this particular, I own this domain and I'm going to run it. Pharaoh could have said that. But Pharaoh said no. Pharaoh looked for, gave the job. He gave Joseph, a slave boy, the control of his country. And the question is why? Why Joseph? Let me suggest to you that Pharaoh gave to Joseph the management and the authority over his country, Egypt, so that Joe, you know, because Pharaoh had a good understanding of one thing. Pharaoh had a good understanding of self-awareness. He knew who he was. That means Pharaoh knew his own strength. Pharaoh knew his own weakness. Pharaoh knew what he was good at. Pharaoh knew what he was not good at. Pharaoh knew his limitation. And because he knew his limitation, 
He was willing to step aside and say, I have a guy who knows this thing. I know a guy who knows how to manage this situation. I know a guy who have done this thing and I will put him in charge. My brothers and sisters, you must understand one thing. If we are going to live effectively and see the result of God fulfilled in our life, it requires you to have a high level of self-awareness. You must have a very high level of self-awareness to be able to make it in the coming year. We must carry out an inventory of our own lives and determine what you are good at and what you are not good at. Mm -hmm. Know what you are stronger and know what you are not stronger. If you are a jack of all trade and master of none, your progress is going to be limited. I bet you. We are now coming into a society on a situation on a season whereby you are required to be able to stay in your own lane. You know what you are good at and you stay there. One of the biggest issues with Christians today is that they want to spiritualize everything. You want to be able to tell the whole world, I'm a Christian, I'm a spirit guy, I know how to pray. And then we begin to put our hands in things that we are not qualified to do. And at the end of the day, we do a very poor and mediocre job. And mediocrity will not give you the success that you are looking for. I tell you, my brothers and sisters, if you want to move ahead, a person who is a jack of all trade and a master of none will not make progress in this coming year. Pharaoh understand, uh, understood that very concept. He understood it. And that was why he chose Joseph. He chose Joseph to run the operation while he focused on other things. And my brothers and sisters, if you are going to live effectively in the coming year, you must you must enjoy the promise of God. You must develop the skill that will help you take advantage of opportunities. You must develop that skill. There are certain skills that you need as an individual to be able to prosper. There are certain skills that you need as an individual to be able to move forward. You need the skills not just to take advantage of opportunity. You need the skills to be able to develop and maintain relationship. Because the one thing I want you to understand is this. Your success is not a function of just what you know. It's also a function of the people that you know. How far you travel in life is not just how fast you can run. It also depends on the people that you are traveling with. So you must develop the skill, not just to be able to take advantage of opportunity. You must develop the skills to be able to, to be able to develop and manage relationship. You must develop the skills to be able to develop, manage and multiply resources. Management of money. Have to develop that skill. Because if you don't know, you can pray. If any of most of us, if we are very honest, sit down and calculate how much money has gone through your hand this year alone. Calculate how much money has gone through your hand. And then look at the things that you did and compare the money that passed through your hand. And begin to see. They don't add up. It's not because God is not blessing you. It's not because God is not answering, the, answering our prayers. But for some reason, we have not developed the skills to manage and multiply resources. If you are going to move forward in the coming year, you have to develop that skill. You know, we spent a lot of time in this church praying. It is good to pray. And you know that nobody loves to pray more than those of us here in this particular room. We love to pray. But there are certain things that prayer will do. There are certain things that prayer will not do for you. The Bible says, whatever you lay your hands upon to do, shall do what? Shall prosper. If you don't lay your hands upon anything, you don't go prosper in anything, it is not magic. You know, I've used this mathematics for you several times. A million times zero is equal to zero. Okay? It will not give you anything. 
One of the things that we used to think about God, we think that God doesn't hear and answer prayer. But if you don't have the skills to manage the blessings of God, it will appear as if God is not answering your prayer. If you don't have the skills to manage and multiply the resource that God has given unto you, your resource will not grow. If you don't know, the, if you don't have the skills for effective communication, you will find that people will come to you and they will get so pissed, they will walk away. Why is it that some girls are not able to maintain a good boyfriend? Why is it that some men are not able to maintain a good girlfriend? Because when you talk anyhow, the girls say, no, I can't stand this rubbish. Or the guy say, no, I can't tolerate this. And what happened? They walk away. Are you going to tell me God has not provided you with a partner? Has he not provided you with a relationship? But if you don't know how to talk, and you are running yourself anyhow, I live in America, I have a right to talk rubbish. The man also has a right to walk away. You must understand that. The woman also has a right to walk away. The point we are making is that you need the skills for effective living. There is a need for you to pray, but there's also a need for you to manage your life effectively. We need the skills for effective communication. Not only that, you need the skills to take on and to manage new challenges. Life is not going to be a bed of roses. There's going to be challenges. Financial challenges, relational challenges, career challenges, we know health challenges. There's going to be all sorts of challenges. Life is not just going to be lined up for you and everything will be going on very well. If you do not have the skills to manage it, what will happen is that you are going to live in a crisis mode all the time. And that's why at every point in time, it's life like it's coming to an end. Oh, I don't know what's going on to me. Oh, God does not love me. Oh, all you need is for you just to take a deep breath. <laughs> And have what is called the skills to be able to manage new challenges. The question is, why do you need all the skills? Why do you need these life skills? Why do you need to be able to take the skills for new challenge, the skills to communicate, the skills to manage resources, the skills to manage your finance? Why do you need the skills? The reason is because if you are not skilled in the art of managing life, your progress in life will be limited. If you don't know how to manage money, it doesn't matter how much money you are given. You will not be able to keep it. If you don't know how to communicate effectively, at one point in time, people will start walking away from your life. Because you don't know how to talk. So the skills that you need, life skills, if you don't have life skills, your, live, your progress will be limited. Your life will stagnate or you will begin to deteriorate. If you don't have the skills to manage those things, if you don't have the skills to manage your life effectively, you will find out that your harvest will be wasted. Because you don't know how to preserve it. You don't know how to keep it. And that's why you pray, you pray, you pray. The Lord opens the windows of heaven, blesses you, but you don't know how to manage that blessing. If you don't have the skills for life, you will find out that you are going to be operating in a circle of failure. You are going to be repeating the same mistakes again. They're going to be doing the same thing again. Why are some people fired at the place of war? They are fired for the same mistake. Either they are talking too much, or they are going there too late, or they are not doing a good job. It's because they have developed a particular habit that they cannot break out from. And because they cannot break out from that habit, what happened? They repeat the same mistakes over and over and over again. And then we say, it is the devil. God punished the devil. Yes, it is the devil. But at the same time, you gave the devil the resources to work with. You opened the door for the enemy and the enemy came in and took up the residence in your house. 
But we must understand it is the skills of life that makes it possible for you to preserve the blessings of God. When you don't have that skill, you will repeat mistakes of the past. When you don't have that skill, life becomes ineffective. Life becomes disappointing. Life appears not to be making any progress. Okay? That is what happens. But when you have the skills, when you know who you are, you know your limitations. You know your strengths. You know your weaknesses. You know what you are good at and what you are not good at. What you will find is that you are able to move forward. Because as soon as you are confronted with a situation that is above you, you know that this one, if I try to handle it by myself, I am going to fail. I need to call help. And then you can go and ask for help. One thing I tell people is that you don't have to know everything. You don't have to. Nobody expects you to know everything. But you at least know where to get help. And that is why many of us sitting in this room here, we are not, we are not specialists or physicians in any way. There's no brain surgeon in this room. There's nobody who is a specialist in one particular medical area. There is no, uh, what do you call it? There's no rocket scientist in our midst. There's no auto engineer or somebody who knows the mechanic, knows how a car walks up and down. There are no special uh, software coders in our midst. Though we have some, but there are some. No special software coders in our midst. But the point I'm making is that we don't need all those things. We don't need all those things. All you need is to know the person where you can go to for help. That's what you need. If I have headache, I should be able to know that there is a doctor somewhere that I can go to. If I have a problem with my finances, I should be able to go to a financial advisor or an accountant to help me out. If I need a problem, if I have a problem with the technology, I should know the kind of company to call to give me help. That is what you need. The skills to recognize where to get help. But if you think you know everything, or you don't know where you're strong or where you are weak, you will put your hands into what you're not supposed to put your hands. You are not expected to know everything. But you need the skills to know where to get help. You need the skills to know where you are strong and where you are weak. Because that is what will move you forward. First Samuel chapter 17, the Bible tells us the story of the children of Israel when they went into battle with the Philistines. The Bible tells us that the Philistines had a champion. This guy was called Goliath. The guy was so big that every other person, when they see him, they run. The Bible told us that this guy gave them a unique challenge. They went to war. Normally when the armies will go to war, armies to army will fight each other. But this guy was so confident in himself that he said, no, there's no need for you to kill innocent people. All you need is just to kill one person. I will come out. I will fight whoever you choose. If I win, you win. If I win, that means your, your army will subject to us. If you win, that means you, we will be subject unto you. He gave that particular challenge because he was so confident. And the Bible makes us to understand that nobody in Israel was willing to stand up. Nobody wants to be killed. It's just like everybody wants to go to heaven, but nobody wants to die. That's a story for another day. But nobody wanted to die because nobody wanted to face Goliath. And the Bible says that David now showed up. When David showed up, and David was willing to take up that challenge. But after David heard him, after David heard Goliath's challenge, he heard that he was insulting the people of God. He was insulting the army of God. He was insulting the name of God. David said, no, this will not go on. I will challenge this guy. I will take up your challenge and I will fight you. And you all know the story, but the Bible makes us to understand reading from verse number 31. The Bible tells us, it said, now when, when the word which David spoke, in other words, when David accepted the challenge, when the word which David spoke was heard, they reported them to Saul and he sent for him. Saul was the king. Saul himself was not even willing to take up the challenge. And if you remember when Saul was picked as the king, he was the tallest guy in the house. Everybody was standing here for Saul. Saul was a big guy, good looking guy. 
But when he stood, when he saw Goliath, he knew he was not as big as he thought he was. He wasn't willing to take up the challenge. So the Bible says that when, when he heard that David was willing to take up the challenge, he called David and then said, and then David said to Saul, let no man's heart fail because of him. Your servant will go and will fight, fight with this Philistine. And Saul said to David, oh boy, I like your spirits. You're a nice guy. You have all the zeal and all the energy, but you are not able to go against this Philistine to fight with him. Let's be realistic. In case you have been drinking too much Kool-Aid, you need to step off of that Kool-Aid and understand. You cannot fight this Philistine. You are a youth. You are just a boy. He is a man of war from his youth. In other words, this is not this guy's first rodeo. He's been doing this thing. That's what he does. But David said to Saul, your servant used to keep his father's sheep. And when a lion or a bear came and took a lamb out of the flock, I went out after it and I struck it and I delivered the lamb out from its mouth. And when it arose against me, I caught it by the bear and I struck it and killed it. In other words, this guy is no better than a lion or a bear that I've dealt with before with my bare head. I'll deal with it. Your servants have killed both the lion and the bear. And these uncircumcised Philistines will be like one of them. See, he has defied the army of the living God. Moreover, David said, The Lord who delivered me from the paw of the lion and from the paw of the bear, he will deliver me from the hands of this Philistine. And Saul said to David, Okay, if I cannot convince you not to go, the Lord be with you. So Saul clothed David with his armor. That is the, to me, this is the most interesting part. You have your own armor. If that armor was so good, why didn't you wear it and go and fight? You did not wear it. You didn't put it on. Now the guy that volunteered, you are giving him your own armor. It's just like you are giving him his sword. The Bible said that Saul clothed David with his armor. You want to go and kill yourself? Let me make you ready for death. I'll give you all this thing. You go and fight. The Bible said that David was respectful. He took the armor, he fastened his sword to his side and tried to walk. But the Bible said he could not. He could not walk. David fastened his sword to his side and tried to walk, for he had not tested it. And David said to Saul, I cannot walk with this, for I have not tested them. So, David took off, took them off. In other words, thank you very much, but no thank you. There are many people who will give you advice on what they cannot do. There are many people who give you an advice for what they don't know a thing about. They are going to tell you how to run your life when their own life is in shambles. They are going to tell you how to invest money when they have not even invested money to make money. They are going to tell you what you are supposed to do. The Bible says that David was told what to wear, how to wear it, and how to go to war. The war that Saul was not willing to fight, he was willing to send David there. And David said, no, I am going to fight this battle, but I'm not fighting it with the cloth that you are giving unto me. I am going to invest my money, but I'm not going to use your own standard. I'm going to live my life, but not by your own standard. I'm going to deal with my wife, my husband, but not by your own standard, but by my own standards. Bible said David took off the clothes. Then David took his own staff in his hands. And he chose for himself five smooth stones from the brooks. And put them in his, in his shepherd's bag. And his sling in his hand. And then he drew near to the Philistines. Now this verse of the scripture is loaded with all sorts of goodies. Loaded. So let's begin to unpack. The first thing you will see is that Israel was facing a unique challenge. The challenge was Goliath. Number two, there was the absence of the people who were prepared to face Goliath. Number three was the presence of an unusual volunteer. Somebody who they would not even expect to be able to fight was willing to be the one to volunteer. Number four is the person who was equipped by an unusual, unwilling leader. Somebody was willing to give you help, but they are not willing to take out. They are not willing to stand out. 
They are willing to tell you what to do, but they are not willing to do it themselves. And then the next thing you see is the rejection of the unfamiliar. David said, yes, I'm going to fight this battle, but I'm not using your strategy. I'm not going the way you want me to go. And then finally, David outfitted himself with what he was comfortable and familiar with. Okay? And the Bible said that he chose what he knew how to use. He picked the slings, he picked his five stones, took a shepherd's staff, and faced Goliath. The question is, why was David effective? Why was David effective? Because if you look at everything that David did, for somebody who is who is experienced in war, that is not a strategy for success. If you look at everything, the way David was dressed, that is not the way you dress to go to battle. If you look at the weapons that David picked, that is not the weapon that you use to fight anybody. You don't take catapults to go and fight uh, Goliath. No. You dress up properly to go and fight him. So David did everything that was contrary. But the question is, why was David effective in defeating Goliath? Let me suggest to you, number one, David was effective, number one, because he was sufficiently motivated. The Bible said that he saw Goliath and he was just angry. He was just angry with the fact that this guy can insult the people of God. This guy can insult the army of God. This guy can insult God. Who is he? What is it depending upon? And I tell you, my brothers and sisters, unless you are sufficiently angry with your situation, unless you are sufficiently tired with the way you are living, you are sufficiently tired with being broke, you are sufficiently tired with the way your family is running, you are sufficiently tired with the job that you are doing that you don't like, you are sufficiently tired with things, you will not make any change. Thank you very much for listening to our program today. We invite you to join us every Sunday at 10 a.m. for our Sunday worship service at 2711 Murfreesboro Road in Antioch, Tennessee. We also host Bible study and prayer meetings every Friday at 7 p.m. Visit us online at www.lifelonganointing.com and on Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube. Join us next time for another edition of Fresh Encounter. On behalf of Lifelong Anointing Church, we thank you for listening.